Well, hello, hello. Yes, it's myself. It's David Conley. You thought I'd disappeared forever, but no. Of course, I'd come back and give you the news. The news from Stone Pages and the British Archaeological Jobs and Resources. Maybe a little bit added from past horizons. You never know. Well, I should, of course, say to you, Happy New Year. Beginning of March, and you're saying Happy New Year, Mr. Conley. Well, I do apologise. But there is a valid reason for our... Um, shall we say, unscheduled uh, gap in the podcast news. And it's due to Diego doing some well-earned work and myself as well. But anyway, we're back. So you don't want to hear about our last two months. What you want to hear about is the news. And I have selected a few of the choice stories to get you back in the mood. Of course, all these stories have been collected from various sources, and to view the details in each story, including that all-important source, you're going to have to go to the Stone Pages website. That's right, at news.stonepages.com. What have we got for you here, then? Well, we've got Bronze Age skeleton being removed from a school playground. Not far from where I am, actually. Then there's a move... A move? There's a move to reunite Mungo Man and Mungo Lady. There's a Neolithic altar discovered in China, while up in the highlands of Scotland, there's a Bronze Age woman who's been found in the woods. Don't worry, um, I don't think she was actually running around the woods at the time. Ancient Britons, it turns out, loved dairy food. Cheese and milk, mmm, yum. Then we move across to the Baltic Sea, where beneath it, they've discovered an 11,000-year-old settlement. There's 3D modelling of Welsh megalithic sites that you can actually get involved in, and one that's been incredibly controversial, the Clovis skeleton, revealing the true origins of Native Americans. Well, let's move to Scotland to start the stories. A 4,000-year-old skeleton of a small Bronze Age man was recently removed from his grave a metre beneath a playground in Victoria Primary School in Newhaven. That's in Edinburgh, Scotland, in case you were wondering. By archaeologists who were evaluating the site ahead of a proposed school extension. The archaeologists uncovered the well-preserved bones in late January while looking for evidence of the village's medieval harbour. The body was curled in the typical fetal position common in the Bronze Age alongside a pottery vessel. Archaeologists who excavated the site initially thought that there was two skeletons, but the remains belonged only to one, thought to be a male around about 160 centimetres in height and 50 years of age. His worn teeth just showed the diet included the stone ground bread. Further analysis will now be undertaken in a bid to discover more about his life and death. The project manager, uh, Rob Engel, hello Rob, of Edinburgh-based AOC Archaeology, said that you don't get many crouched inhumations in schoolyards. That was unexpected, being so close to the sea they were expecting a harbour. Just goes to show that in archaeology, you never know what you're going to find. While Victoria primary head teacher Laura Thompson said that the children had now been inspired by the work and had taken part in workshops arranged by the archaeologists. That's what archaeology can do for you. Inspire. Now to Australia, where the 43,000-year-old Mungo man, whose discovery in the far west of New South Wales in 1974 dramatically upended the dominant view of Australia's history, could finally be heading home 40 years after he was removed from his burial place. 
The skeleton remains the oldest human discovered in Australia, doubling the known anthropological history of the continent and revealing Aborigines as being the oldest surviving culture in the world. Well, Mungo Man is currently kept under lock and key in a box at the Australian National University. Researchers have long stopped studying him. The university has been waiting for Aboriginal elders to formally request his return, expected in the coming weeks, coinciding with the discovery's 40th anniversary. Former ANU professor Jim Bowler, now in his 80s, discovered a female skeleton known as Mungo Lady in 1968. It had been cremated. In 1974, Bowler returned to the site and discovered Mungo Man, separated from Mungo Lady by 450 metres and 20,000 years. Bowler has long called for the return of Mungo Man to a temporary keeping place at Lake Mungo National Park, where the bones, the cremated bones, that is, of Mungo Lady are kept, awaiting reburial. She was returned by former ANU archaeologist Alan Thorne back in 1991. A spokeswoman for the New South Wales Office of Environment and Heritage told the Australian newspaper it was still early days in any attempt to repatriate the skeleton. The Office of Environment and Heritage and the Aboriginal community at Mungo are having discussions about how best to manage the repatriations of the remains to Mungo National Park, including those of Mungo Mam. This makes you think, how difficult is it? Um, You go to the place where he's kept... You pick up the box, you go to Mungo National Park and you give him to the Aboriginal community. Well, anyway, that's just my uh, wacky idea. Let's head off to China now, where archaeologists have discovered altar relics outside the walls of Shimao Ruins, a Neolithic city in Shenmu County. That's in northwest China. Shimao Ruins were discovered back in 1976 but archaeologists did not conduct a thorough survey until last year when they excavated over 80 human skulls. An initial survey showed the 8-metre-high altar had a 8-metre, th- wow, 8-metre-high altar had a three-tiered structure with a stone base 90 metres long. Jade relics and pits for offerings as deep as 3 metres were also found nearby. Archaeologists have collected some jade for future research. The city was found to have an inner and outer structure and the walls surrounding the outer city extending for over four square kilometres. The city was built around 4,300 years ago and abandoned 300 years later. The funny thing is I've just been looking at stuff in Scotland where we've got you know, um, a, a small ditch uh, crossing uh, a peninsula that's about 2,000 years old. Uh, two and a half thousand years old. At that same time in China, they were building cities. Uh, well, there you go. I'm talking about roughly the same time, about 4,000 years ago, in Scotland, we got a Bronze Age woman in a Highland wood. Aged between 40 and 44 at the time of her death, the remains were found in a kist burial at Coolaird Wood in West Torbrecht, near Inverness in Scotland, two years ago. The thought to be from a woman who died between... 1982 and 1889 BCE. She was ritually buried in what can only be described as a Highland Bronze Age funeral. The grave goods aimed at uh, assuaging her passage into the afterlife included seven fragments of flint and a beaker, which was rather unusual uh, because it had no decoration on it. 
Each kist burial is unique in some sort of way, and the West Torbrett burial is no exception. For instance, pottery vessels are not always included in kists, and when they are, they almost always, I have to confess, I've never seen anyone without, they almost always have some form of decoration on them. In this case, a beaker found in the West Torbrett kist was evidently part of the burial rites, and its function was to accompany the individual into the afterlife. Although a few others have been found in the northeast of Scotland, they are generally rare in Scotland and Britain as a whole. The area appeared important for prehistoric groups from early times. The kist is located within an area rich in prehistoric remains, uh, many of which have only been discovered within the past few years. The nearest archaeological site is the Torbreck Stone Circle, approximately 200 metres east. This small stone circle consists of nine upright stones and two outliers, which are thought to be the remains of an outer circle. Well, ancient Britons seem to have loved their dairy food, and a large-scale investigation of British archaeological sites dating from 4600 BCE to 1400 CE reveals that the ancestors of modern Britons embraced a convenience food lifestyle when they replaced hunting and fishing with dairy farming. Researchers examined millions of fragments of bones and then analysed more than a thousand cooking pots to ascertain exactly how ancient Britons ate. Early hunters seemed to feast on venison and wild boar and ate large quantities of seafood, but when experienced immigrants introduced domestic animals 6,000 years ago, Britons quickly gave up wild food and fishing and abandoned it for, yes, you guessed it, cows, sheep and milk. Seafood seems to have been shunned for the next 4,000 years, only really reappearing in the British diet during the Iron Age and becoming a significant part only with the arrival of the Vikings. Whilst we like to think of ourselves as a nation of fish eaters, with fish and chips being a national dish, it seems that early British farmers preferred beef, mutton and milk. The ability to milk animals was a revolution in food production for our ancestors, as it was the first time that they didn't have to kill the animal to actually obtain food from it. Cunning plan. Now we're heading beneath the sea, where evidence of a Stone Age settlement that may have been swallowed whole by the Baltic Sea has resurfaced near Sweden, revealing a collection of well-preserved artefacts left by nomads some 11,000 years ago. Buried some 52 feet beneath the surface at Hanno, a sandy bay off the coast of Skagen County in Sweden, the newly discovered site was in fact some sort of dump in which ancient nomadic Swedes discarded their objects. The items included pieces of wood, worked of course, flint tools, animal horns, ropes, a harpoon carving made from an animal bone, and the bones of aurochs and other ancient cattle which became extinct in the 1600s. There's wood and antlers from other implements all thrown together, so says Bjorn Nielsen, the leader of the project, and an archaeology professor at Sotodon University. Amazingly, the artefacts have been preserved perfectly because of the abundant oxygen-consuming gitaya, a black gel-like sediment which forms when peat begins to decay. Around 11,000 years ago, there was a build-up in the area, a lagoon of sorts, and all the tree and bone pieces are preserved in it. If the settlement was on dry land, we'd only have the stone, nothing organic. What we have here is perhaps one of the oldest settlements from one of the first permanent sites in the area. Archaeologists, of course, are continuing to excavate the site, but also 
they're looking for potential burial sites. Finding a burial site would be remarkable because we'd be going back 11,000 years into an almost perfectly preserved burial. Imagine what we'd learn from that. Heritage Together is a project run by Bangor, Abridswith and Manchester Metropolitan Universities in conjunction with the Gwynedd Archaeological Trust. It's also funded by the British Arts and Humanities Research Council. The aim of the project is to use photographs to create 3D digital models using a process called photogrammetry, so to create an online library of British heritage, preserved digitally and accessible for everyone. The project aims to incorporate research by members of the public and it's hoped that people will contribute to the project by uploading digital photographs of sites that they visit, provided that the photographs are taken in the correct way from the images that people load up, 3D models will be generated. This citizen science aspect of the project will allow them to produce 3D models from a wide range of monuments from across Wales. The organisers hope that this way of gathering data will help them to produce a representative and perhaps comprehensive catalogue of the heritage of North Wales, providing new research into the state of monument preservation and how people view the monuments, as well as provide new evidence for monument use in the form of rock art, for example. At the end of the project, the 3D models will be freely and publicly available to provide a research resource for members of the public and researchers through the Historic Environment Record and the fabulously named Arquilio platform. The contributions to all individuals uh, of all individuals to the project will be acknowledged, of course, and contributors will be invited to the project exhibition, which will present the 3D modelling results. You're interested? I thought you were. Get yourself to Wales to start with. But also have a look at the heritagetogether.org website. That's heritagetogether.org. Now, finally, let's head to America, where Clovis skeleton is revealing the origins of Native Americans. The remains of a one-year-old Ice Age boy who died 12,600 years ago were discovered near a rock cliff on the Anzac Ranch in central Montana back in 1968 along with a multitude of distinctive burial artefacts such as spear points and antler tools. The skeleton and burial artefacts were covered with powdered red ochre, type of sort of red iron-rich mineral. An international team of researchers has now sequenced the genome of the Clovis boy and compared it with genetic information of modern Native Americans across the Americas as well as those of ancient Europeans, Asians and Greenlanders. Their results show that approximately 80% of today's Native Americans are direct descendants of the boy's contemporary, particularly the indigenous people who live in Mexico and South America. The remaining 20% are found among some of Canada's First Nations who, while not direct descendants, are still more closely related to Clovis than any other genetic group on the continent. The Anzac Clovis boy also shares about a third of his genome with another ancient youth, a 24,000-year-old Siberian child known as the Malta boy, whose remains were also recently analysed. The genetic findings mesh well with the archaeological evidence to confirm the Asian homeland of the first Americans, and it is consistent with occupation of the Americas a few thousand years before Clovis. That's according to Dr. Michael Waters, director of the Centre of the Study of First Americans at Texas A&M University. Of course, there are other opinions. 
You better believe it. The similarities and differences among the native groups suggest a genetic split took place within the boy's lineage thousands of years before his time. From one branch came the ancestors of some Canadian First Nations, while the other branch led to the Clovis boy and his family and their descendants who make up the majority of Native Americans today. The genetic information provided by the Anzic boy is part of a larger story of modern human dispersal across the earth and it's shedding new light on the last continent to be explored and settled by our species. Well, on that exciting note, I have to tell you it's been very nice to come back to this again and I've been busy, of course, along with Maggie. We are working away on PastHorizonsPR.com, bringing you news every day. And can I remind you that uh, for my day job, there's lots of new archaeological and heritage employment opportunities across Europe on Badger, www.bajr.org. And more, of course, more can always be found at Stonepages, news.stonepages.com. So thank you very much for listening to the Archaeology News. We hope you'll return next week. Mm-hmm.